ladies and gentlemen. That's enough flat nut. This is Jeff Jarrett. Hey, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley. This is Take the Steak Roberts. Hey, this is Cody Rhodes. Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Dong. I'm WWE Hall of Famer, Pat Star Jim Duggan. And you're listening to Wrestling with Ideals, tough guy. Oh! This is the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Taking you through the crazy world of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live are your rambunctious hosts, the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon, the Beast from BC, Alec Miski, the man, the myth, the legend, McGuire Forte, and primetime, Josh Primo. Now, it's time to wrestle with ideas. Welcome inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is the beast from BC. He is Alec Miski. And Alec, uh, before we even get to Raw, we got a lot. We got to go through it quickly because we also got to play our interview later on. One of our more interesting interviews, we got Brandon Howard from Fightful.com. And the thing is, he's, he, he looks at the business side of wrestling, Alec. It's really interesting. And we go into New Japan, the WWE Network, uh, some of the independent wrestling uh, platforms. A lot of interesting stuff there. Now, my question is, could he have saved TNA? Could Brandon Howard have saved TNA? Yeah. Maybe. He probably could, actually, to be honest. Probably has more business acumen than <laughs> anyone else in charge over there at Anthem Entertainment. Definitely a possibility. Definitely a possibility. But, yeah, stay tuned for that. It's a great interview. Um, and also, I'm going to save a little surprise at the end. We're going to make our announcement for, I guess you could say, the first wrestler interview of 2017. It is big, my friends. We are starting off 2017 with the wrestler interviews with Bang. Is it and Bam so Bam Bigelow? He's, he's, he's unfortunately passed away. I know. I thought we could talk to the dead. No, we can't. That'd be a great gimmick. <laughs> it's called The Undertaker. Touche. 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 But yeah, stay, stay tuned later on after the interview. We'll announce our latest interview for Wrestling With Ideas. But let's get to Monday Night Raw. Uh, starting off the show, <clears throat> we had a graphic for the memory of Ju- Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Um, and then we get to do a, a video package f- to celebrate Martin Luther King Jr. Day, MLK Jr. Day. <clears throat> and so we head on over to our opening segment. We go in the rain, and out comes Roman Reigns. A hot start to the show. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was talking about how he was going to be winning the WWE Universal title at the Royal Rumble and going on to main event WrestleMania 33 again, which the- I'm sure a lot of people... <laughs> we'll be very happy about it. Now, I know what you're going to say. How can he main event WrestleMania 33 again instead of just WrestleMania again? Well, I like to think of the fact that he, if he does main event WrestleMania, that's three manias in a row he main evented. That's true, eh? And none of them were good. Uh, the Lesnar match was pretty cool. Well, it was I when mean, Rollins cashed yeah. in that it actually got interesting. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I will say Roman actually looked quite good in that match because Roman looks strong. It's the Triple H match that really, because it's like, you know what I noticed? Uh, if you notice the pattern, it was, uh, I believe, uh, Booker T versus Triple H was WrestleMania 19. And then at WrestleMania 25 or 26 was Orton and Triple H. Yeah. And then at 33... It was uh, no, WrestleMania 25 was Orton and Triple H, and then at WrestleMania 33, it was uh, Triple H and Roman Reigns. 32, you mean? 32, sorry. Yeah. So that's how he does 33 twice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and if you notice, between the time gaps of those matches, I think it's equal to seven years. Okay. So every seven years, Triple H will main event or have a match at Mania that will totally underwhelm people. I mean, that sounds like most of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, WrestleMania look, 11, Ultimate Warrior, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I was going to go back to Scott Steiner and Triple H. But that's Royal Rumble. And then you had the The match. original Suplex City match. The original, oh my <laughs> god. Where they couldn't even do one of those right because he just sandbagged them. I'm like, just imagining Scott Steiner hearing that off in the distance going, Hey, shut 
that? <laughs> just <laughs> off in the distance. I don't know why, but I think that would have been hilarious. Even better, it's just like, you think of all of WCW superstars that have gone through Triple H, and he's buried pretty much every one of them. Yep, that's true. Like, Except book, Hogan. Well, I mean, you can't really bury Hogan. Hogan buries you yep. at WrestleMania 9. That's true. And 10. And your name, and your last name is Hart. Was he at 10? No, he wasn't no, no, at 10. He was, no, he was, he was, he was, he was, he was, uh, 10 was his... one of the worst cards ever. Nine? Nine was. And 10. 10 had the Brett Owen and, uh, Brett Owen and the Razor and Michaels match. Th- that's, Two classics. That's the only good parts of that card. That's true. Like, <laughs> um, nine had Lawrence Taylor. That's true. <laughs> that was like the low point. Like no, no, no. Lawrence Taylor was eleven. Was WrestleMania 11? eleven was the worst WrestleMania. See, this is the thing. Nine, ten, and eleven are all like one train wreck of yeah. garbage in my mind. That only has a couple. Like Bret I thought, Hart ten matches. was a decent mania. No, with the matches. I don't know. I the, could be wrong. We just have to go back and look at old wrestling. If, well, should we do old school wrestling reviews? We should not review WrestleMania 1 because that is painful to watch now. Yeah, it is. It is so slow. WrestleMania 2 is terrible because it's split up into three cities. It's WrestleMania 3 that really the legacy starts to kick off. Yeah, it was just like two matches. Yeah, it's Steamboat re- and Savage Yeah, and uh, Hogan and Andre. Yeah. Or sorry, and Andre. <laughs> <laughs> um, so back to this opening segment. Uh, we had Paul Heyman coming out and interrupting Roman Reigns. Uh, it was a little funny because he was walking out and was like, Ladies and gentlemen, my name is... And he looks at the shark cage yeah. and he stutters a little bit. <laughs> and then, is Paul Heyman? Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and he talks about Brock Lesnar being in the Rumble, but fans kept drowning him out with Bill Goldberg chants, which is really good for their buildup for Lesnar and Goldberg at Mania, which, by the way, apparently that's going to main event Mania. Oh, good, so they'll have another squash match to main event. Ooh! Wouldn't that be great? Oh, that'd be the best thing ever. Yes. What do we have? We have two big guys. They're gonna go out and suplex, and then the one guy's gonna lose in a minute after getting speared twice. And somewhere out there, Vince Russo's like, It's beautiful! <laughs> Bro. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, it's so... Uh, then Kevin Owens comes out with Chris Jericho. They also start cutting up, cutting some promos, and not some onions. That's like one of the things. Like every other month, you hear Jericho's leaving. Jericho's leaving. Jericho's leaving. I know. It's like they've doubled down on him. Yeah, and I weird. love it. I love it. And uh, Seth Rollins came out, and surprisingly, huge pop. Usually, people hate him. Yeah, I he mean, got I a do. big pop. It's that laugh of his. It's a. <laughs> 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 I yeah. can't do it with laugh. I just no. have to do. You have to do like the penguin from the '60s Batman series. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, Ron says they can't have a WrestleMania 33 main event discussion without Seth freaking Rollins. His quote, not mine. Well, he's the architect of anything that involves. You know, he's always wanted to be an architect. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out like, "My name is Art Vandalay. <laughs> I'm an architect." <laughs> I said you were a marine biologist, Seth. <laughs> you know I always wanted to be an architect. <laughs> Rollins says he's going to be going on to win the Rumble match and get back in the WrestleMania main event. Braun Strowman comes out next. Braun! Braun! He starts uh, freaking out, wondering if anyone's a marine biologist. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. So, uh, the sea was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> Like an old man trying to return soup at a deli. <laughs> no soup for you. All right, that's about seven signs. Maybe the dingo ate your baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, what's the deal with Strowman? <laughs> what's the deal with Strowman? What's up with that? <laughs> um, so, Rod comes to the ring, goes face to face with Roman Reigns. Music interrupts, and out comes Brock freaking Lesnar. Uh, to a massive pop, everyone watches Lesnar as he makes his way to ringside. Sami Zayn does the surprise attack to Braun Strowman. Reigns hits a Superman punch on Braun. Huge brawl breaks out. Uh, one of the best parts of this whole fighting sequence was when Brock beat up a whole bunch of people and he sees Sammy in the corner. Yeah. Sammy looks at him like, oh, I'm screwed. And mm. Brock looks at him like, oh, you're next. Sort of <laughs> deal. It's great. Um, <clears throat> but even, uh, even better was when Braun just stares at Lesnar. 
Yes, that's true. It's like there was a meme going around. It's like Braun Strowman just like stares at people. He gets over by osmosis. Yeah, like, yeah. No, you have to touch people for yeah, osmosis, osmosis to work. Yeah. <laughs> He's just getting over by pure empathy. That is true. Remember what AJ Lee said? Talent is not sexually transmitted. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's true. Randy Orton, I feel bad for you. <laughs> oh, ouch. Hey, but he's a talented guy. Yeah. He's been right. in the news as well. It's more like Summer Rae that's not really the talented type. I think Summer Rae is actually underrated. She doesn't get a lot of respect because she's in really crappy angles. It all started when she was in the football league. Oh, yeah, the LFL, the yeah. lingerie football league. What did they rename it to? Uh, something that doesn't sound as... Uh, I said, like, Legends or something? Yeah, like Legends. Something really weird, like something completely unrelated to lingerie. Well, I mean, it's supposed to make it look more like a sport than some oh, yeah, sort of because, male fantasy. Oh, yeah, exactly, because, you know, keeping them in the lingerie but changing the name, that's what makes it a real sport, <laughs> right? I mean, It's just, like calling the World Wrestling Federation World Wrestling Entertainment. It makes it more of a sport, even <laughs> though it's called entertainment. Am I and right? You know, and they're not wrestlers. They're superstars. Sports entertainers. Are you not sports entertained? <laughs> I love how it's taken us 10 minutes to get to the end of this segment. I know. <laughs> it really has. And uh, and we got to get through this show. No, we got a lot to get just through. Just like how the Bookers of Raw go through this show. So uh, we'll talk about um, Enzo and Cass versus Jinder Mahal and Rusev. So I guess we're not having any more of these matches because Cass won. I believe he was the one who got the pin. Actually, no. Uh, it was Enzo that got the big uh, double team tag and the pin. So... Uh, gin, what, don't what, hinder gender, especially in the gym, am I right? Yeah, like, what's going on with gender and Rusev? They seem like the odd couple. Yeah, like, they really do. We've got this guy who's Bulgarian, you know, he's a big, tough guy. And Rusev's with Lana. Yeah. You're talking about the odd couple. I know. <laughs> and then we got this guy who looks vaguely Middle Eastern, so we're going to make him, like, Iron Sheik 2.0. Yeah, it's weird. I mean... Is, 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 uh, we haven't seen Mahal's finisher. Is it still the camel clutch from many years ago? I wonder. Probably I, honestly, considering the fact he's not had the opportunity to get off a finisher at all. Yeah. Like, oh. as far as I know, it could just be a punch. <laughs> I about as effective. Yeah, you go get him, Roman. Yeah. <laughs> Jinder Mahal punch. <laughs> um, so the punch that broke the camel's back. <laughs> that should be the name of the finisher. Oh. Uh. Actually, that should be a backbreaker instead. That should. That should be. That should. Like, Gender, like, if you're listening to this Like a take on the accolade. Yeah, that's true. That should be a finisher. Hey, Gender, if you're listening to this show. Because we know you are. We know what you do on Friday <laughs> We nights. know you're big fans. Um, uh, you could take that name. We're, yeah. We'll be more than happy to have you have that name. Yeah. So uh, with that, we'll take a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk some more about the Monday and the Nights and the Raws. going to talk about Jack Gallagher. And uh, some cruiserweight action. We got the Raw Tag Team titles in a very weirdly booked match. And we're also going to talk about uh, a lot more stuff, including the main event and more. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Pacifi, and I'm your What Culture Pro Wrestling General Manager. You are listening to Wrestling With Ideas. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music. I'm the man they call Gibby Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is the beast from BC. He is Alec Miski. We got to get through this because we got this interview to play with Brandon Howard later on from Fightful.com talking to business and professional wrestling. So let's go through this raw like the bookers go through raw very quickly. So uh, let's talk about Aria Davari versus Lindsay Dorado. They were hyping up the I forfeit match on WWE 205 Live. Now, the fun part about this was Austin Aries on commentary. Austin Aries is the best part on commentary. He is so great that it, he, it's just worth watching NXT just And he for says him. he's great, too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's almost like he needs to team up with Bobby Roode. <laughs> Bobby Roode. <laughs> Love his name. It's great. It's great to yell it. So uh, It's almost glorious. No, I won't give in. <laughs> I won't give in till I'm victorious. Aria Davari got the win after hitting a clothesline. Uh, I actually forgot what the submission was. Was it a... Uh, she got a big clothesline ahead of it, apparently. Yes. 
And, I, uh, I totally forgot the Smash. I don't know the name of her. Because like, I was I was excited because I'm like, oh, Gallagher on commentary. He's been fantastic <laughs> yeah. for 205 Live. And then uh, I thought he was meh on commentary this tonight. You know what? It, the problem with it is when you bring you bring them out just for the one segment, they go in cold. They don't like have time to warm up, like yeah. you know, warm up the jowls with a dark match or two. Yeah, because let's face it. Do you actually credit here? We're credit to Michael Cole did the UK Championship and flew back to America yeah. to do this like the next day. Yeah, and you know what? Credit to him. He actually did. Oh, by Michael Cole standards, a good job. Yeah, I'd say so too. Um, rumor has it he's starting to transition more into backstage role. He may good. be retiring from commentary. Good. I'm not saying like he does a bad job on commentary role. It's like I think we've kind of Jim Ross had like about ten years there, give yep. or take, and then he still did the major pay per views, but they yep. passed off the weekly duties to Michael Cole. Mm-hmm. Michael Cole should start to transition like that, like do the big four. Yep. Maybe do like the odd raw here or there. You know what I mean? Yeah. But let someone in. Yeah. Like, you know, not. Well, the, the the rumor is he wants to do some more production stuff behind the scenes and keep on training the next generation of announcers. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of crap gets to Michael Cole. I've been a defender of him. I actually think when he's not look how good he did the UK. Uh, exactly. I think he's. I think he's obviously. It's hard to compare him to like Jim Ross because Jim yeah. Ross is arguably the greatest commentator of all time. But I thought Cole did a good job. Uh, Yoshitatsu. Oh, sorry, Yoshitatsu, <laughs> second greatest commentator of all time. But yes, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, sounds like the uh, booty man from uh, WCW, uh, Ed Leslie's gimmick back in the day. Yeah, he, he had the yes no gimmick. It's like it's like, are you gonna beat Hulk Hogan? Yes. <laughs> ah, no! <laughs> it's um, almost like a George Animal steal. Oh, that, oh, yes, that's true, eh? Yeah. Um, so, but yes, Cole may be transitioning into a behind-the-scenes role. And I, I would continue on that. I think he's actually been doing a good job developing some of the talent, because Tom Phillips has come out pretty well. Um, I think t- they're grooming Tom Phillips to be the next guy. I think, obviously, Mara will fill in, but I think long-term-wise, I think Tom Phillips is their guy. So you think like, they're going to put Tom Phillips on SmackDown, bring Morrow over, and then keep later, Morrow yeah. on SmackDown? Because he's doing really well there. Yeah. It's like, I don't feel like they want to break up a good thing, because it's actually where JBL isn't annoying. That's true. Well. But then you got Otunga to work with. Yeah, yeah. And You know who they need to bring back? Taz. <laughs> it's Taz! <laughs> well, here comes the pain! <laughs> I can't do a Taz impersonation. I can't do a Taz impersonation either. All I know is like, you just look at him and like, look at that raw power that he has exuding from survive. everything. He will survive. If I let you. <laughs> Taz was awesome back in the so day. Some insipid Taz commentary here. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so we move on to the Raw Tag Team title matches. We had a dusty finish for the heels. Yeah. Reverse booking. Okay, so the match itself was very good. I enjoyed this match. This is actually one of the first matches that Anderson and Gallows put on that I cared about. Yeah. And that's sad because they've been in the company for a year. Yep, exactly. Like, I don't know how to, like, stress is the point. They've been doing nothing for a whole year. They, They were, like, the top heel tag team in New Japan, and they buried them. Yep. Like, this was a WCW invasion angle. Yep. God, <laughs> someone is not very happy about their Bullet Club members being. <laughs> I mean, you'd think turning that, into a shell rather than a bullet. You know what, what I would I mean? love, and this is complete fantasy booking right now, that Finn Balor comes back at the Royal Rumble, yeah. and helps. Like he, he's not even in the Rumble match. You know, what I mean, like AJ Styles. For, I don't think he's in the match either. He's facing no. the Cena that night. So yeah. this is what happens. So Gallows and Anderson are in the the like the match there. You know, the Rumble match. And it's like the two of them, they're facing off against like whatever, six other nobodies. They're not nobodies. They have names. We just don't care because they're not winning. And basically, you know, let's say, yeah, I don't know, there's like Kevin Owens and Jericho and all this other crap fighting and, you know, throwing people around. It's Reigns and Rollins in there against the club. And Finn Balor just not in the match, just kind of out of nowhere, just boom, lays out Rollins for injuring him. You yeah. know, and you see the club throw over um rain so like there's no one left there then just like gals and anderson just have to choose which one of them goes through and Balor just points at one and the other guy just leaves the ring and then that's who's going on and the like club 
reformed. I like and AJ, it. And then, like, you know, John Cena is, like, about to, like, to lay out AJ Styles. They all rush the stage. Or ring. <laughs> the stage. <laughs> the stage. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the fight. <Yeah. laughs> we're, we're, we got your back, AJ. Way, way over here. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so, so they rushed the, the stage. The stage. Finger quotes intended. Uh, and it's like basically, I've seen this in the middle of the ring, and there's the club all around him, and they just beat the ever living crap out of Cena. Mm-hmm. And that's when he snaps and turns into a heel next SmackDown. Ooh. Yeah. You like, had me until heel turned Cena. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, okay, fine. Let's go back in time to WrestleMania 33 again, Ooh. and we'll fix it. <laughs> Gotta go back in time. I've watched all those movies the past three days because they're on Netflix. Oh, yeah, they are on Netflix, are they? All three of them? All three of them. Really? I thought only the first one was. Uh, they released the other two just like in the same week. It just oh, took a couple days. Oh, sweet. I got to yeah. go check them out when, when I have a social life. Um, so going back to the Raw Tag Team titles. Uh, so they did a dusty finish for the heels, Mike. Yeah. So th- you we- get sympathy for the heels. Yeah. Not the baby faces, the heels. No. Well, I think Sheamus and Cesaro aren't really the faces. They're they're kind of middle of the road because Sheamus, Sheamus is, is a, not a no. heel. Cesaro is a face. Yeah, but yeah, it was. I feel for Cesaro. I want him to do well, but that finish was garbage. Yeah, it was almost as bad as well. You know that I always bring it up the twenty seven second match against Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. It's like what am I watching? Yeah, why am I watching? Mm-hmm. Why are we watching? We're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're gonna talk more about Monday Night Raw. We'll talk about that video package for Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Uh, a lot of people are very mixed on it, and whether it was the appropriate reaction to it, we'll try and delve into it as maturely as possible, which is probably gonna be tough. But <laughs> yeah, um, you doo doo head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we'll also talk some more cruiserweight classic action. Talk about the new day and the Titus feud that's continuing on. And we'll also just talk more about the women's match and uh, main events segment. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Welcome to the Dog Pound. Hey everyone, this is Rick Steiner. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. And welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. And the man they call me, Zach McGiven. Alongside me is the Beast from BC. He is Alec Miski. And I think we do have to touch on this because it's a very uh, controversial issue if you know uh, behind the scenes with this. So we mentioned earlier in the show, recently Jimmy Superfly Snuka passed away. Yeah. Um, I think it was about two days ago now. Three days ago? As of recording, yes. Yeah. So, um, but uh, a lot of uh, people are very mixed on it, obviously, because he has not much too uh, popular, you know. uh, The recent court case really brought it all back. A lot of people are saying this was appropriate because he was never guilty. But the problem is, it's like, the argument is, it's like, he was never even really convicted. It was thrown out because he was not able to stand trial. Yeah, so it's like... For those who don't know, in the early 1980s, there was uh, his girlfriend at the time, I believe actually his mistress. I'm not... Um, It's it's hard to say, but someone he had been seeing um, uh, died, passed away in his hotel room. Yeah, under uh, mysterious circumstances. Very mysterious circumstances. And... uh, they, the case went cold for many, many, many years. Uh, again, not many people know why. Uh, looking at reports, the coroner said that that they may have something, but not enough to make it seem like he had a say. But it was still enough that it should go to trial, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's very iffy. And to a lot of people, uh, when they look at the facts of the case, they believe that Snuka killed nancy argentino yeah or at least had something to do with it or or had a hand in it yeah and the reason why is he's changed his story so many times uh you know and and he has a previous history of domestic abuse um and so a lot of people are very you know they're they weren't very happy to see this video really hyping him up and his legacy 
Especially <laughs> considering that a week ago, his his whole stuff with his trial yeah was thrown out was thrown out because he was not able to stand trial. So. It is true that he was never found guilty, but he was never found not guilty either. Yeah, it's kind of this gray area. And if you're a fan of, like, Chris Benoit and stuff like that, it's almost like a slap in the face to see Snuka put in, like, the limelight when he dies. And then, like, you know, in very similar circumstances where, like, you know, he most likely killed uh, Nancy... Argentina. Argentina, thank you. And it's just like, you know, then you just like go back and look at Chris Benoit. And it's like they completely disowned him. Yeah. Like from the company point of view, obviously Benoit was a much more heinous act. Yeah. But it's still it's still like murder. Yeah. And and the the reason why I think there's a difference in that because Benoit stuff was also wrapped around steroid use. Yeah, there was During a much that time, larger and it, conversation. And it was a l- much larger conversation. But the whole stuff with Snuka, it wasn't as big of, uh, I felt know, like it was swept under the rug. It, it really was, to be honest. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a very iffy stuff. They played the video, and uh, you know, a lot of people were very uncomfortable about it. Yeah, they just and the crowd reacted that way too. If you listen to it, it was very mixed. There were some people that stood. There were some. Bo- I heard some boos uh, in that. You could hear like they piped in the cheering sound. Yeah, especially on uh, the YouTube channel. Yeah, they they really. Like if, you, in. if you watch like if you can get your hands on like a streaming copy of like the original broadcast and then the YouTube clip, like the YouTube clip, the crowd's going wild. They yeah. love Stuka. Yeah. The one that you just hear, you hear it's, like audible boos and silence. It, it's it's very awkward. So yeah, um, very it, very strange segment. I. Um, Hands down, one of the greatest wrestlers of the era. Like we were he, talking, he was definitely that transition between Backlund and Hogan. He was one of the. He was the m- biggest star of that company in 1982, 1983. Yeah. Um, it's just he's he's just it's, you can't overlook that. You know what I mean? Especially when it's never been finished. Yeah, and it's gonna kind of it's gonna be one of those unsolved mysteries. It's kind of like it's to to some people. It's kind of like if the NFL, if O.J. Simpson died, the NFL released a video about the O.J. Simpson stuff and, and his career. And and obviously and like that overlooked was everything. Yeah, even like obviously he was found not guilty at the criminal trial. In the civil case, he was found guilty. Yeah. So it's very, you know, it's it's a very awkward and, subject. And at the same time, there's this three-part uh, little miniseries going on. It was like, was O.J. innocent? Yeah, exactly. The third part's not out yet. Needless to say, who knows? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, let's move on from that because uh, let's get out of that awkward territory. Let's, uh, let's go on to the new day because it's a new day. You don't want to talk about Neville attacking Rich Swan? You know what? That was actually one of the best segments, but I hate the way they're doing 205 Live on Raw. They're making it seem like it's this whole other show. It's like rather than just putting it in there like it should be a match. Mm-hmm. Like they give him five minutes, not even. You have Neville rush in from the crowd and beat up the uh, match between Rick Swan and Jesus. I can't remember the other guy's name right now. Tony Nese. Yeah. And it's just, God, like, book it well. Yeah. These guys can steal the dang show and they just, ah! Very angry today. It upsets me greatly. I actually watched this throughout start to finish, and I was like, why? <laughs> why did I do this with my time? It was my Monday night. I had the whole day off. I just, like, you know, wasn't feeling that great. I'm like, I'll watch wrestling. That'll perk me up. No. <laughs> no. You know, if you had Tuesday off, it would make your day much better. SmackDown was amazing. SmackDown was great. I hate the fact that I have to say, how was, like, SmackDown review? It was amazing. Five stars. <laughs> Raw review. Here's 45 minutes of me being angry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we move on to the New Day segment. Uh, they're still continuing on with Biggie, Kofi, and Xavier talking down to Titus O'Neil. And Titus says he wants a spot in the Rumble. You see, everyone else can declare, but Titus O'Neil can't declare. No. He has to fight for it. For some reason. For some reason. Like, Titus can't just go, I'm in the Royal Rumble match. He has to be like, I want to fight you for that Royal Rumble spot. <laughs> and of course, the New Day with that prestigious Royal Rumble spot, Biggie goes, sure, I'll fight you for it. Yeah. I'll fight you for a fiver, I say. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, fella. <laughs> oh, sorry. I impersonated Sheamus. <laughs> yeah. um, so we had Big E versus Titus O'Neil. Big E won. Again. It's, it's no surprise that Chalk Lesnar won. I yeah. mean, they have had three matches where Titus O'Neil tries to steal one of their spots, and he's lost each time. It didn't make the New Day look good, and it doesn't make Titus look good. No one's winning here. No one's winning. Except the people trying to build a show, because they get to take like 15 minutes out of their program with this crap. So we'll take another quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that 
cringy, cringy Charlotte Bailey segment, in my opinion. It was very cringy. I will just say that. It's quite poetic of you. Oh, thank you. Ah, I'm cringing right now. <laughs> and then we'll talk about Alexander and Kendrick and the lovely Alicia Fox. And we'll also talk about the main event segment. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. The cunning linguist and the quintessential stud muffin, Joel Gertner. And you are listening to Wrestling with Ideas. Keep listening and have yourself an eargasm. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. The man they call Gibby Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is the beast for BC. He is Alec Miski. And Alec, let's talk about the Charlotte Bailey segment for a moment. This is just... Okay, so they go back into history. And I like when they do this with wrestlers that have a history. Now, Bailey has been with the company, what, three years maybe? Yeah. And of that, like she's been like on NXT and Raw now for about two years, two and a half. Maybe a little more, but yes. Yeah, so she doesn't have a real big history. No. So what do they do? They dig into her childhood history, yeah. where there's photos of her like as a little kid, like you know, hugging all these wrestlers, and they show the first time she meets Charlotte and she hugs her and stuff like that. Like you know, really puts up with the whole Bailey likes to hug people angle. Yeah, great. But it's just like Charlotte's trying to talk down to her. They get like a, a copy of her reading an essay from grade school about how she oh. wants to be a pro wrestler when Ooh. she grows up. It's like. This was cringeworthy at Ugh. its finest. And then there's Bailey reciting poetry. On Monday Night Raw. On Monday Night Raw. How did we go from Stone Cold Steve Austin writing in a Zamboni, taking out the owner of WWF to Roses are red, violets are blue, at the Royal Rumble, I will beat you! I got nothing. I honestly have nothing. This was one of the worst segments. Oh, it was bad. I, I, I was astonished. And for some reason, people were like, oh, people have turned on Bailey now. It's not because we turned on Bailey. It's because the segment sucked. Yeah. Like, and and Bailey did not do very well at carrying the segment. I thought Charlotte was okay. Charlotte was great. She, I thought she Charlotte was heel. fine. Charlotte was fine. But Bailey did not come through in this segment. And like She did you, not. Like, the program they're building for WrestleMania is... It's going it's downhill because, pretty bad. And it's not quick. because we hate Bailey all of a sudden. Like, people need to understand with criticism, just because we say they didn't perform, it's not because we hate them. It's because they didn't perform. Yeah. Right? Like, We're going to, when Chris Jericho, if Chris Jericho doesn't perform well in a segment, we'll talk about how he does well perform well in a segment. It's not because we just randomly turn on him. Like, people need to differentiate between that because it, it drives you up a freaking wall. Well, here, here's the thing, like, Bailey does so good, but when she's given garbage like this, it shows. Yes. And it's not like Jericho. And she's who not can the be best promo garbage. to begin with. Yeah, she she has a lot to work on, yeah. but she's gotten better. Uh, but then there's Jericho who can be given garbage and somehow turns it into gold. And you can't expect that with everybody. You gotta mm -hmm. be like, okay, this is a dumb thing. Stop this. The New Day's feuding with Titus right now, and it's terrible. Yeah. And that has nothing to do with the New Day being terrible or Titus being terrible. Titus was great in those press conference segments. God, but anyways, we're, we're running out of time here. Yeah. Okay, so Cedric Alexander versus round. the Brian Kendrick versus the Brian Kendrick versus Not, the Brian. Sorry, Kendrick. the Brian Kendrick. Uh, we had the lovely Alicia Fox outside. Nobody breaks up with me. <laughs> <laughs> no one breaks up with me. <laughs> <laughs> Say lightning round. Immediately get off topic. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Alicia Fox. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the best part. Of, okay, so Cedric Alexander won. Noam Dar was watching at a weird angle. Um, the thing, though, I do like about Cedric Alexander, the lumbar check. Yeah. Awesome finishing move. Oh, it's it's so painful looking. It looks so painful. Like, it looks like he literally breaks her back. Oh, it really does. Um, and so we head uh, backstage. Uh, we had Naya talking about uh, how she beat up Sasha Banks during training. And during Who hasn't? Who hasn't heard of Sasha I mean, Banks? like, Sasha Banks has pretty much been on a losing streak, it feels like. Yeah. More like an injury streak, to be quite honest. True. Um, and so uh, we then go to a segment with Alicia Fox backstage talking to Mike Rome. 
and uh, <laughs> she overacted like crazy again in this segment. It was unbelievable. I don't know if she's doing it on purpose now or if she's just that this awful. This is just so over the top. I love it. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, it's something that's so bad, but it's so good at the same time. That's what this was. It's Plan 9 from Outer Space. It really is. Uh, so then we move on. They announced Kurt Angle going into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now, you know when I said that there were two highlights of the show? That's one of them. Yeah. That, that's amazing. I was, I was happy that the crowd was chanting, you suck. Yeah. Out of respect. Yeah. Obviously. Um, then did it, it was great. Did it change like thank you angle chance afterwards? I forget. I don't think so. Yeah. But but I was so happy to see that angles getting inducted. I kept. I went back to look up some old Kurt Angle segments. Uh, some of my favorite ones, the Milkomania segment. <laughs> yeah. That was amazing. But another segment that I saw starting to get a lot more popular was when he was going after Shawn Michaels, setting up for their feud at t- WrestleMania 20, I believe it was. It was Angle and Michaels. Um, and uh, he's it's Angle doing a parody of Shawn Michaels' theme. I'm just a sexy Kurt. And it's Jerry Martel. It's like, sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. Ankle hurt. I'm just a sexy Kurt. Sexy Kurt. It works on so many levels. I'm so happy Kurt is going in. And so finally, we'll go to the main event segment. The match, it was just nonstop action. It was total nonstop action, if you know what I mean. I might say it was bound for glory. Mm, it made an impact. Oh, <laughs> puns are fun. Making it the new national anthem, if you know what I mean. I don't know why, how that relates. Let's talk about this matchup. Yeah. So uh, just so, a lot of beating up people. Yeah, yeah. Jericho and yeah. Braun Strowman versus Rollins, Reigns, and Zayn. Wow, that, that sounds weird to say. Yes. Anyways, but yeah, no. <laughs> it, I feel like the match was great. There were a lot of good spots, but the ending was incredibly predictable from the very beginning. Yeah. You knew Zayn was leading the pin. But it's what happened after the match that was very good. Yes. Lots of brawling. Lots yes. and lots of brawling. Uh, uh, Strowman looked good in this as well. Um, but it ended with Owens doing a powerbomb to Reigns to the announce table. What was so good about this was that the commentators left. And it, when you're looking at it, it just felt different. And it felt yeah. unique. You know what I mean? And this segment was great. I really enjoyed that segment. So good stuff, WWE. Good stuff. They ended the show well, and that's all I can say. You didn't like the show. I did not like the show. I felt like the Kurt Angle induction thing, like that was rumored and ESPN broke it before Raw. So like it wasn't really a big surprise for me. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they held on to the end of the show to say it was just like, we already know, guys. We're not (laughs) dumb. We have the internet. We're smarks. Cater to us. Yes. Cater me, Booker man. Um, so uh, with that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, uh, we're going to take you through our interview with Brandon Howard from Fightful.com. And uh, we're going to talk through the business. We had a person walk in. We had a run-in yeah. on the show. We had a run-in. That's why we, secu- so- like, we had to have security come and escort them away. We need, the, uh, we need uh, standards and practices, I think it was, from WCW back in the day. <laughs> we need them back. Um, so, uh, but yes, we'll take a quick commercial break. We'll take you to our interview with Brandon Howard. going to take you through the business side of wrestling right now, where he sees the popularity of wrestling, specifically WWE, New Japan World, and all the indies. And then stay tuned later on. We'll make the announcement uh, for the next guest on Wrestling With Ideas. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. Hey, this is Rich Bokini, formerly known as Rich Brennan from WWE. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I'm Zach McGibbon. On the line with me via Skype, he is a writer for Fightful.com. He does some great articles on the business side of professional wrestling. We have Brandon Howard on the line. Brandon, how are you doing today? Good, Zach. How are you? Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm doing great, and it's great to have you on. I'm a big fan of your articles, a lot of great articles on Fightful.com. And the first thing I do want to mention is uh, Wrestle Kingdom, obviously, was recent. Um, how did that do in terms of their subscription service for New Japan World? Obviously, there was a lot of big uh, American interest uh, in this uh, in Wrestle Kingdom this year. How did it translate uh, into the subscription numbers for New Japan World? Well, the 
the best idea I can get. I, I've looked at things like Google Trends, and I've pieced together some information that I've heard about what their subscribers were. So, so Wrestle Kingdom was on January fourth, right? Mm-hmm. So on January fifth, uh, Steve Carino was doing the commentary there for for New Japan on, on the at the Korakuen Hall show on the next day. Um, he sort of revealed what the what the number was, and from that we can sort of deduce that the the total subscribers are are about sixty thousand, with about fifteen thousand five hundred coming from outside Japan and forty four thousand five hundred coming from inside Japan. So, I mean, like if you compare that to other years, we don't know what the, what the spikes were around previous years Wrestle Kingdoms. This would be it. That's the third Wrestle King that we've had now with, with NJPW World around. Uh, but if you look at Google Trends, it looked like it was a it was a big a bigger Wrestle Kingdom for people outside of Japan than really any recent years prior. Mm-hmm. And with obviously Wrestle Kingdom being compared a lot to the WWE's WrestleMania and bringing it back to the network, we see a lot uh, where. WrestleMania, there's a lot of buys or uh, network subscriptions for Mania and then a huge drop-off. Uh, how much right. of a big drop-off do you expect with Wrestle Kingdom uh, in comparison? I, I would expect something similar. Um, I, I know people who have asked me, like, who are talking to me about New Japan in the lead-up to it. And, like, you know, they ask me things like, well, how do you really subscribe? And, you know, it's, it's, it can be sort of intimidating. You look at this Japanese website. But I think there are people just like there are people when it comes to WrestleMania who are they want to see this big event, but they're not necessarily interested in, in staying monthly subscribers throughout the year. Maybe some of those people will come back at, in August or July for, for the G1 climax. Um, but I, you know, I, I think we'll, we would see. I mean, we're not we're not really going to know in all likelihood. It's not like New Japan is not a publicly traded company like WWE is, so we're not going to get the quarterly report from, from New Japan that tells us you know how many subscribers they've got. But I would think it's it's going to be something similar to what happens with WrestleMania, where you get a spike. Uh, around WrestleMania, and then it, it levels off into the summer, and then things come back around in January for for the Royal Rumble in WWE's case. So I'm thinking again. I think you're going to see. I think with, with, what's going to happen is they've they've gotten a, a nice spike around January 4th, and then and maybe by February that's going to level off, and they'll regain some of it in August for the new, for the G1 climax, and then some of those people will come back again in in January. And I think, but overall. You're, you're likely to see a, a year-over-year increase be, just because, in general, when it comes to OTT services, I think these, these services are becoming more uh, accessible to people. People are getting more of a feel of how to use them. Uh, more, more and more people have got OTT-capable devices in their homes, whether it's Apple TVs or Rokus or game consoles that can, uh, that can use these OTT services. So I think we're still at a... Like a, a a ramping up stage, even still when it comes to the WWE network. And I think especially so with NJPW World, uh, because it's becoming a more and more attractive thing to people outside of its home country in Japan. Mm-hmm. And with with that huge American influence going into New Japan World, uh, is it likely that the trend can continue, especially if Kenny Omega uh, turns out to be that big draw that brings people in uh, to the New Japan product. I'll I'll rephrase it. In terms of the outlook uh, for New Japan, where do you see the subscription numbers uh, going from here for New Japan World? Well, Kenny Omega would be be nice to still have around, right? I think there's a a quote from Okada where he he talked about how, you know, know, last year the, the big main event was Okada and Tanahashi, and, you know, the response that year was nice, but he got a he heard a stronger international response because he was wrestling Kenny Omega. I think Kenny Omega would really be the key because he's a guy who, uh, who he's Canadian, but he, so he, he speaks, you know, obviously fluent English and he appeals very much to you know, Americans and Canadians and, and probably even you know, British people and English speaking people at large, but he, he's also fluent in, in Japanese. He, he doesn't now. He at least used to live in Japan, so he's somebody who really understands the culture and really speaks the language well. And he has—he's like he's the perfect guy for New Japan to want and to, if they really want to go international, like like uh, Kidani, who runs New Japan, says they do. Then like Omega is the man. Mm-hmm. And and do you think the international efforts by New Japan can be successful 
especially considering the huge success, I guess you could say, with uh, a lot of uh, outside Japan uh, subscribers coming into New Japan World? I think it... You mean, like, can they be successful just drawing New Japan World subs? Or, like, yeah. they're talking about going... They're talking about touring over uh, you know, overseas as well. Um, I, I think it, it can be if... You know, they've got those two shows on July 1st and July 2nd in, in L.A. at the Long Beach Convention Center, and that's like a 13,000-seat arena. Um, and so, so those shows are going to be, what we know of them now is they're called G1 Special Shows, so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be, and in fact, there's probably not going to be G1 Climax tournament matches on it because this is something that happens before the G1 actually starts outright. So whether or not those shows are successful, I think, I think is really going to depend on the card that they advertise and how well they're able to promote those shows. If it's just like, you know, a mix and match of like some, some tag matches, if, it, if they just treat it like another new Japan house show, I think that the chances for success are, are far lower. But if they put, I, if it were up to me, I would, I would do the Kenny Omega and Okada rematch on either one of those shows mm. because, because that, that match got such a response, at least in the, the corners of the internet that I pay attention to, it got such a strong response and, and to, to do it again, and to do it in the U.S., I think, would be as the first to step into, like, here we are, we're New Japan, we're going to go into the U.S., and we're going to do that match that you saw on January 4th, and we're going to do it here. I think that would be a big deal. Absolutely. And uh, let's move over to the uh, WWE Network. Uh, in terms of the way it's trending ever since its start back in 2014, uh, obviously going up, but wh where has it been recently? Has it been stagnant? Has it been going up? Has it been going down in terms of subscription numbers? So we're still seeing year over year increases in uh in, in WWE Network subscribers, and that's a big big thing that uh, the CFO for WWE, George Barrios, uh, and, and rightly so, he harps on that. You know, you, they don't want people, especially if you're maybe you're an investor, you're not really familiar with what WWE does. It, it's something that you have to explain to investors that yeah, in in, a, in March or April we're going to have this big event called WrestleMania where our subscribers are going to peak, but after that our subscribers are going to tail off a little bit. But year over year, they're still having year-over-year uh, year net gains in subscribers. They're around 1.4 million right now. Uh, we'll, we'll get an update as of December 31st in probably a couple weeks here. We'll get their year-end report for 2016. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of the popularity, there's been a lot of arguments about Obviously, the ratings for WWE are lower, yeah. but the popularity of WWE, where do you see it in terms of the stats that you've uh, overlooked? Yeah, I've done a lot of thinking about that. Like, So I I started to, to follow uh, TV ratings a couple of years ago, and uh, you, you know, as, as we look at the, the TV rating graph over many years, Especially if you start, you know, back in like 1999 or 2000 when, when WF was really on fire, it's a it's a big jagged downward trend, right? Um, now some years in the maybe like the late 2000s, the you know 2008 to 2010, things were kind of stable and Raw kind of hovered around a 3.0. But especially in the last few years, we've really seen a decline, a steady decline in in WWE Raw ratings at least. Um, things have smacked down a little little bit different because they've you know, as we know, they flipped it around by going from in the U.S. going from Thursday to Tuesday and putting it on live and the brand split and all that. But so when you see this declining ratings graph, which I, I I'll tweet every now and then, I'll you know I got this ratings graph that I'll update and you know put little bubbles and say this is when that happened and so forth, and I'll tweet it out and, and you'll see like a you know two years worth of. Raw, raw TV ratings decline, and people will see that, and they'll, you know, they'll think, "Oh my God, I can't believe the WWE has fallen so far," um, which I don't think is the right way to to look at it. Um, I've looked at uh, a few things, like like Google Trends. This is this is how often people are searching for WWE, um, and, th and this is adjusted for time. So it's not like, well, people started using Google more, and that's why the why the searches for WWE are stable or going up um it's adjusted for the, the amounts that google is actually used so google trends for wr are pretty stable and they they kind of they, they go in the opposite direction of the w raw tv ratings so that's one thing okay that, that's not enough but that's one thing then you look at um, merchandise revenue this would be so this is all publicly reported stuff now this is financials that we get straight from the WWE's own reporting 
uh, which is you know they, supposedly they got to tell the truth according to the SEC. So their 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 merchandise revenue is actually going up over the last few years, and over the last ten years or so, it's really stable. Um, so that's not going down. Attendance uh, is pretty stable as well. We're seeing. I, I, I'm starting to do some research to catch up on the end of 2016, and I think we're seeing that house show attendance weakened a bit in 2016. But overall, I mean, house show attendance is just one piece of attendance overall for WWE. So how, uh, attendance overall is still quite flat and stable. Um, so you know, these things don't really reflect the decline that we see in in Raw's TV ratings. So it, it's my opinion that WWE's popularity is not declining. WWE's popularity is quite stable. Um, but TV ratings in, in 2017 are what they are, and people are. You know, the TV ratings should tell us should adjust for households, which should rule out in theory cord cutting. So it's it's not we can't just chalk it up to the fact that well less people have cable, but um, I, I think we can chalk certain things up to the fact that there are so many different ways to watch Raw now. Uh, you can watch it on in the U.S. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, throughout the world, you can watch all those clips that they put on YouTube. Um, you know, there's a variety of ways to, to watch Raw. I think the third hour of Raw doesn't help. I think people have got their fill after two hours, um, even though TV revenue is, is so important to them. It's such a big chunk of their revenue. It's something like 35% of their overall revenue in a year is just from the, the rights that TV uh, broadcasters like the USA Network um, or like it's Rogers in Canada that they, that they pay WWE just to carry their programming. Um, and so that's the big sort of conundrum coming up in about 2019 when the TV rights contracts will be set to be renegotiated is that these declining TV ratings may or may not you know, negatively affect W's ability to get another really lucrative TV rights contract from all their partners. And now I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit. You mentioned how the TV rights is coming up in 2019. If you were put in the position to put WWE back on USA, would you? And if so, would you give them more money or less money considering the TV ratings? That's a little over my head, but I'll try to give you. I'll try to give you a real answer. I think um, it's really hard to predict what the future of media is going to be in 2019. You know, we're not. We don't know. You know, there's going to be a Hulu Live here where you're going to be able to subscribe and actually watch programming live through the internet with Hulu. That's just for one example of, of something that's going on. Uh, I, I I think they'll get. I, I lean optimistic on what WWE is going to be able to get in 2019. I think as things stand right now, I don't I don't see any any reason why they won't. Um, the TV ratings overall have declined throughout television. When we look at especially scripted programming, like you know regular TV dramas or sitcoms, those ratings overall have declined quite a bit. Um, Live sports, however, are doing pretty well. Um, and I, I see WWE as something like a hybrid between live sports and scripted programming, right? It's like it's kind of live sports, but it's not. It's not legit. It's not a legit shoot sport, and parts of it are scripted, or maybe large parts of it are scripted. So it's kind of a hybrid of those two things. So I think what we, we should expect to see is is basically what's happening is that it's not it's not stable like live sports are, but it's not suffering the large declines that programming is um, so I, I think around 2019 unless things change quite a bit I think I think they'll be okay but you know that's my guess here today in uh, January 2017 mm-hmm and uh, speaking with Brandon Howard from Fightful.com, I also want to move over to uh, just the independent scene in general. We've seen a lot of uh, on-demand services popping up from promotions like Progress, ICW. Um, it, where, how, how much uh, popularity, I guess you could say, because uh, I, I assume you wouldn't be able to have the subscription numbers for those services, but how would you assume uh, the on-demand services for uh, those kind of companies are doing in terms of uh, people knowing what the service is and going out and actively trying to pay for it? That's a good question. Like I, I, uh, I, About a year ago, I did an article about social media and the way that indie promotions were using social media. And I'd asked a few uh, indie promoters at the time who had standalone VOD services, you know, how are these going? Are they a success? And the ones that I asked were like, no, it's kind of a disappointment at this point. And so that was late um, 2015. 
Um, so, you know, I don't know. Um, I know there's, you know, there's uh, distributors like Flow Slam that, have, that are emerging that are picking up some promotions here and there. Obviously, they've got WN and Evolve. Um, another distributor called Powerbomb TV is, has just launched, and it looks like they're partnering up with some indies that are even smaller. Um, and I, I just heard the other day, on today or yesterday, that uh, W Network is, is uh, looking at putting ICW on, on the network. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what do you think in terms of obviously ICW has their own on-demand service, but if they do move their videos to WWE, how do you think it will impact them? Obviously positively, but how much of an impact do you think uh, it will give for uh, ICW? I guess it depends on like how much does WWE promote them and how much do they integrate them into their big WWE world? I mean, are, are WWE talents going to appear or is, you know, is Finn Balor going to show up and, and say hi, like he does sometimes, like we've seen at ICW shows. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be, it'll be, like you said, it'll definitely be beneficial to ICW. And, and this is a promotion that runs in Scotland largely. And they've, they've, they've drawn thousands to their indie shows, which is pretty impressive for an indie. Um, but I think it'll be beneficial, and we could see that promotion get a lot stronger among all the other British promotions in uh, in the UK. And with what it looks like the network is trying to get a bunch more independent promotions, how much do you think that will impact uh, companies like Powerbomb TV or Flow Slam or any of those uh, small-time ones like demand zone on demand service uh how much will that impact them and is it possible that it could be a killer uh, in terms of uh their lasting power uh like flow slam and powerbomb tv well, it's hard to say like I don't, I don't know how much i don't know how many subscribers flow slam really needs and i don't know how many i, I and i don't know what their goals are and what their costs really are like we, we we've got a, an idea that flow slam paid something like Three million, depending on who you ask, three million or three point five million to WWN over five years. It's my guess that that's an escalating contract, so they're going to pay less now and more later um, as subscribers hopefully ramp up for them. Um, but I, I think Flow Slam, it, it doesn't seem like they really they either want to or able to get uh, other partners of a higher profile than Evolve. I think what basically what we see right now. Inflow Slam is basically what we're what we're going to get at least for a, a while. I don't see Ring of Honor or PWG or or these stronger brands like that signing on with Flow Slam anytime soon. Um, it, it seems like they're kind of interested in in getting geographies. So most recently, the, the partners that we've seen them pick up, we're talking about Flow Slam here again, are um, OTT in Ireland, WXW in Germany. And these, some of these were short-term deals, right? But they, it looks like they wanted different geographies to reach out to, to maybe hit some fans in Ireland that aren't subscribers and get them to subscribe, hit some fans in Germany and get them to subscribe. And today they announced they just signed two, two Lucha promotions, which are actually not actually Mexican promotions, but are it's a, there's a promotion in, in the UK that does, I guess does, at least has Lucha in the name, and, and maybe they run a Lucha-style promotion. And another, I think it's, it, it initials are PWR, which is a Lucha, Lucha promotion out of um, California. So, I don't. I, I so. I guess the point is, I don't think that the partners that Flow Slam is, is interested in at this point in the game, like are, are on, maybe on the verge of actually signing, are are even the same people that that w, the W Network may or may not be considering. I was surprised that they even uh, if, 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 if this ICW story is real, I was surprised that they even took them because I was and I because I, I, I I've heard that you know Vince McMahon doesn't want to put Bingo Hall Wrestling on the W Network, and maybe that's why they're they're picking out. ICW because ICW is the one that looks least like a bingo hall promotion, you know? Absolutely. Um, so uh, I think that'll do it for uh, this interview. Thank you for coming on, Brandon. Uh, I'll give you the floor to uh, promote any uh, upcoming work or anything like that. So the floor is yours in terms of uh, what you want to promote. Sure. Uh, you can read my writing at Fightful.com. Uh, that's a website that covers pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. Uh, we got podcasts. Just about every week, there's post-Raw shows, post-Smackdown shows, post-Pay-Per-View shows. There's podcasts with MMA fighters throughout the week. There's a podcast with Matt Riddle, with uh, Hurricane Shane Helms. Uh, it, it, these are podcasts that are in video as well as audio. Uh, it's a news site that covers all of those things, and there's, there's columns, opinions. There's my business analytical stuff and whatever I do there. So 
So check out Fightful.com. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming on, Brennan, and uh, hopefully you have yourself a good week. All right, man. You too. On Thursday, January 26th at 6 p.m., he will have his lawn sideburns and his hair slicked back. It is the Honky Tonk Man, and he will be on Wrestling With Ideas on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. So stay tuned for that. Coming Thursday, January 26th at 6 p.m., the Honky Tonk Man on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. If you want to listen to older episodes of the show, including full interviews, make sure you check out Wrestling With Ideas on Podbean and on the Podbean app, or listen to us on our new SoundCloud page. We can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and many more. Make sure you keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. to Wrestle With Ideas.